Okay, shalom everybody. Thank you for joining in this hectic time that we're beginning right before Pesach. Bezat Hashem. But still, <clears throat> with all the balagan, the hustle and bustle, uh, people have been presenting good questions. Somebody recently from California, he asked a good question. <clears throat> he asked, how is it that my tshuva will be enough, will suffice for what I've done in my past, all the damage caused and all the sins and the blemishes, who says that my tshuva will be enough? How do I, how do I know it's going to work out? And the, the question was based on a statement from the Gemara that there's what's called tshuva miyira and tshuva mi'ahava. There's repentance out of fear and there's repentance out of love. The Gemara says that a person who does tshuva out of fear so his sins are forgiven. However, a person who does tshuva out of love, his sins are transformed into merits. Unbelievable. Into zchuyot, into merit. That's a high level. So the person is asking, you know, to get to this is the goal. To turn all the damage and all the sin that was done, to turn it into merits. That's an amazing level. That's called tshuva me'ahava. Rav Nosin, believe it or not, he goes into this idea several places basically basically final line is yes it's true that a person on their own it's very possible that tshuva won't be enough this is a reason why a person needs a tzaddik a person needs a tzaddik for many reasons number one as a guide to teach torah number two to pray for a person okay and number three he has a merit a tzaddik has a merit that his merit can help those people who are connected to him. And that's a big thing. That you have broad shoulders to rely upon is something very big to get you a green pass, a green, green card, to pass through many, many situations and scenarios that you need, the challenges that you need to pass through in life. So a tzaddik is there to someone who can really help maneuver when you've shown that you're committed to this tzaddik. Rav Nosin goes into this in many places with such depth it's unbelievable in one place i'll even give you the source it's in hilchot matana halachahe in his book likut halachot likut halachot discourse matana number five discourse number five at the end of this discourse Rav Nosin goes into the laws of hashavat aveda hashavat aveda means returning lost items to people if you have someone lost an item so depending on the positioning of the item, and if I can assume it belongs to a Jew, so I have an obligation to take that item and to keep it by me, try to locate and find the true owner. One of the conditions is, is you have to test and see that the person is not a Ramai. A Ramai means, you might, have, you might like put up a sign, you know, a gold watch was found on such and such a date in this neighborhood. Please call and to pick up if you have the right simanim. Simani means to show, to prove that it's your wash. Watch, what does it look like? What, what decorations does it have on it? What color it is? How heavy? Okay, all these type of questions to, sh to prove. And you don't show it to the person. He has to, on his own, give an a clarity of how the watch looks like. And then you test based on that to see that he is sincere. Okay? So if Nosan takes this law and he expands it on a much bigger level. He says that Tzaddik, the true Tzaddik, is someone who's always trying to find lost items. He's digging to come close to Hashem for himself. And because he's holding it at such a high level, 
he, by the way, finds the lost spiritual items of many other Jews due to their blemishes. When a person blemishes, he causes an Aveda, a loss. There's a spiritual loss, a spiritual, spiritual damage. And the Tzaddik, in his journey, in his pursuit to finding his own lost items, he comes across, by the way, other people's items. So that means, Rav Nosson says something so unbelievable. All your lost items are by the Tzaddik. All the potential good that you lost out because of your teenagehood, you're brought up as a secular Jew, or you did terrible things and everything, all that potential good that you could have done and was lost is by the tzaddik. He's, he finds everything. It's, in fact, it's even another, another lesson, Likud Timur, where he goes into that. He says a small, small, tiny lesson, a hundred and something, that the tzaddik finds the lost items. Rosen connects it to this, to this lesson over here, okay? So the tzaddik, he says, finds your lost items. He has all the lost items. However, the tzaddik wants proof that it belongs to you. He, we know it belongs to you, but you have to be in a certain condition, a certain mode, and in order to deserve that the tzaddik returns to you your lost item. Because if you don't have that mode and that proper attitude, it does not belong to you. You lost out. It, it, it's, it's, it makes sense that it was taken away from you, and you lost it, and it doesn't belong to you. What is that condition? One of the conditions I, I, I didn't mention is... You have the re- in order to take a lost item, you have to assume that the owner is still looking for it. The owner is still wanting it. Like for example, a person lost uh, a loose two hundred dollar bill, a hundred dollar bill, okay, and it's on a street in downtown Manhattan. You know, and he's after ten minutes, he checks his pocket. Oh my God, where's the bill? And he knows he lost it. So we can assume he gave up on it. He said, ah, somebody found it and somebody probably took it already. Okay, that's called Yehush Ba'alim. But if now you can assume that the owner did not give up because it's a certain item and it's not just loose money. It's in a wallet that it looks like this and that. Okay, and, may, and we're talking like a wallet that has no credit card, just maybe cash and everything. So there's a siman on it and we can assume that the owner will put up signs, lost a wallet, would look like like this, okay, such and such, I lost wallet, would look like this, with money, please, if you can return it to me, etc. So that's called Yehush Ba'alim, that if we can assume that the owner did not give up on it, so you have an obligation to keep it by you until Eliyahu Navi comes, <laughs> that's what the halacha says, or until the owner comes to you, or you find him, and you give it back to him. He has the right signs, etc., etc., okay? So, so too here, the tzaddik, his barometer to measure that you're deserving to get back what you lost out. In other words, that your tshuva process now should truly help. It's if now you didn't give up or not. In other words, what, what Dalacha says, you didn't give up on finding the item. Rav Nosen interprets that you did not give up also. You lost out in years and years and years. It's an amazing insight when you think about it. person lost out, lost out, lost out. If now he doesn't give back, give, give up, the tzaddik finds his lost items, and the tzaddik will return to a person everything he lost throughout his lifetime. It's phenomenal, this idea. Rabbi Nachman gives, it's a famous analogy, a parable, analogy that he gives, Rabbi Nachman, about this idea, is that once there was a merchant who had a store, and he was set upon by robbers, they robbed almost everything, 
And he couldn't stop them, of course, and he was crying and crying. But at the end, he tried to salvage what was left over and to continue selling. So he, with the little bit that he had, he got back, got back up on his feet and started selling the items left over. And with the money that came in, he partially invested, partially took it home, and he started again. And after that, robbers again set upon him and took even that little bit left. So he was literally crying because there's nothing, there's nothing left in the store. So his wife said to him, listen, take my jewelry, sell the jewelry, and buy more merchandise. So he sold his wife's jewelry, bought more merchandise, and he was set upon again by thieves, and also this they took away from him. So broken, he found little trinkets that were not taken by the robbers, like little uh, trinkets and, and like, uh, you know, uh, uh, what's it called, needles and pins and, and, and like uh, threads and all types of stuff, like, you know, little tiny, tiny things or trinkets, that's what they're called in English. And he went now in a bag with them to go to like the suburban villages to trade his, his merchandise, this little bit of merchandise that he had, with the local farmers for like eggs and chickens, so like bringing food to home. So he did that, and he started selling his trinkets, little pipes and stuff like that that he had. And he had now in his bag, he had like he had a chicken and he had eggs and everything, and he had some food and bread, loaves of bread that the farmers baked, fresh bread. So he's on his way home, and again a robber sets upon him, and this time he's had it. He's so broken. He's so broken. It's not enough that he was told the previous times. Even the little bit that's left, that's all he has left. The robber wanted to take it away. He, he begged the robber, please don't take this away. That's all I have left. All I have. And the robber didn't listen. He said, give it to me. He stuck a gun to him. He said, give me everything all your life. And he had no choice. He gave to him everything. And the poor man was so broken. Because it wasn't enough that he was stolen so many times. But even now, he got stolen again. So he was crying and crying and crying. While he was crying, he noticed that the horse of the robber was like going, going frantic, going crazy, and jumping very high in a way that the robber fell off. And the, 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 while, while on the ground, the horse started trampling on the head of the robber, killing him. And the poor merchant saw this, and this, the horse calmed down suddenly. Something happened. The horse calmed down suddenly. Okay? And he saw that on the, on the horse were big bags. And in those big bags, the robber put what he stole from this man. So he opened the bags, the big bags, to retrieve the eggs and the chicken, whatever, and the, the horse, and the, sorry, and the bread. And he saw in the bags... Also, all the previous items that were stolen from him from the first time. In other words, this was the same robber who robbed him the first time, the second, the third. He was one of the robbers, and in these bags, he had all the merchandise. So in the end, this merchant got back everything stolen from him. This is connected to what Robert Nelson says over here, that if a Jew keeps on nudging Hashem, keeps on pressing Hashem, and doesn't give up, and he says, I lost out Hashem. I lost out years of Kedusha. I could have been now a big Tamit Chacham, a big Rosh Hashiva, a big Tzaddik. And look who I am. I'm just a Shmata. I'm like a nobody, a Shlomazel. I have nothing in life. If a person now 
keeps on pressing Hashem, I still want to come close to you, and I still believe there's hope, and you cry about it. You say, Hashem, what, what's happening to me? I don't want to give up. I still want to be a good Jew. I still want to come close to you. I still believe I can make it. And it's that that, that applies to like everything in life. If it requires, if it, requires, if it also requires to, uh, applies to addictions, etc. For a person is telling Hashem, I don't want to be like this. I want to change. I want to be a better person, a better human being, a better Jew. And a person keeps on davening, even if seemingly all the odds are against him. Is everything against him? Okay, and the person keeps on going. Everyone telling him, Ah, just give up already. Just drop it already. You know, forget it. You're, it's never going to happen. You're never going to lose weight. You're never going to stop smoking. You're never going to get off your tendencies and bad ta'avot and bad midot and everything. Just drop it and be like everybody else and just give up and die miserably like everybody else. <laughs> and the person says, no, I'm holding on. I'm still going on. To, to, I believe that there's hope because that's what our sages teach us. That's what Rabbi Nachman said. Givald. There's no such thing as despair, and you have to keep on pressing. When we say don't give up, it's especially in the area of davening. After so many punches in the boxing round, do you still daven about these items? Do you say, ah, I'm just wasted already. I can't. I don't have strength anymore to daven about these things anymore, and I just give up. Or do you, or do you, with the little bit of strength left, even just like Rav Nosson says in the Kutei Tefilot, letzavtsef. Imrati elecha. I chirp like a bird chirping. I'm just chirping <laughs> what's on my mind, what's on my in my heart, and trying to express that even like a dead person. But I'm chirping like a bird. In other words, very weak. If a person keeps on going, Rav Nosen guarantees it. If his wording is so strong there in Matana Lachahe at the end, that a person will get back. The tzaddik will return, restore to a person everything he lost. All the good was lost. This, he explains in other places, tshuva me'ahava. The average Jew, he, on his own, has to be very tough and strict on himself, in a sense, to try to serve Hashem. Okay? But the high levels of activating big compassions, I need a tzaddik for that. So in a sense, the tzaddik helps me to do what's called tshuva out of love, which can transform my sins even into merits. This is the big thing. He says... Uh, Rav Nossin, Rabbi Nachman that David HaMelech by just saying seven times his son's name Avshalom Bini he was able to extract his son Avshalom who was wicked who tried to kill David HaMelech by just saying his name David HaMelech was able to extract Avshalom from the seven levels of Gehinam of hell into Gan Eden the power of a tzaddik even in speech again this shows you how much a person needs a tzaddik in his life, and he finds your lost items. He can help you in your tshuva process. So the key, based on all this, is that a person to do complete tshuva, a real tshuva, he will need a tzaddik in his life. On his own, forget it. On his own meaning, okay, I have my dafyomi class, I have my local rabbi for halachic questions, and more or less, I'm like everybody else, and I'm okay. The, the real truth is, if you want to do a complete tshuva, you're going to have to dig further, and look further to find a true tzaddik where you can attach to his advice and be guaranteed that you'll come out clean from this world. Totally, totally clean. It's a lot of depth in here. Another place Rav Nosen writes, I think it's in Hilchot Arev, Halachahe. He says something even more powerful. He says in the laws of Arev, Arev are the laws 
of a co-signer. In other words, you want, you, want, you want to take a loan, so the person giving the loan wants a guarantor, because what if you don't end up paying back the loan? So he goes to the guarantor. The guarantor is called an arev. No, you take a co-signer. You know, we have two, two co-signers, two arevim, two, two, some people take three co-signers to make sure that I'll pay the debt, that the, 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 the loan that I, that I borrowed, I'll be able to pay it back, okay? So Vnosan takes this idea and he expands it to the idea of Hashem and the creation and mankind. And he says there in an amazing exposition based on the Kutim Part 2, Lesson 1. It's been about maybe 23 years since I last learned that discourse. It's phenomenal. In depth, the Rav Nosen says that as if to say Hashem has lent to mankind all the energy and bounty and blessings of this world for a, person, for a purpose. That mankind will take back all the energy of this world and bring it back to Hashem in the format of blessings, prayer, Torah study, and mitzvot. Hashem sends you raw energy of this world. You give it back with tefillin, with Shabbat, with blessings, with speech, the heat of saying, of learning Torah and saying, saying words and doing mitzvot. All that Hashem is, and Hashem gave you the energy to do so, so He's expecting you to give, back, give it back to, to Hashem. The problem is, Avnosan says, is that mankind in the majority has blemished this so much that they can't pay back. So in a sense, Hashem has given up on creation. Rav Nosen says something scary. Due to the general blemishes of mankind, of even the Jewish population, it's so bad that Hashem, as if, has given up on mankind. So who was and who continues to be the co-signer? He says, Rav Nosen, the co-signer to make sure that the Jewish people, the, the world, mankind, will pay back the debt eventually, are the tzaddikim. It's a very, like a very high perspective, Rav Nosen says this. That the tzaddikim, they sign, co-sign, they take upon themselves. As if they say to Hashem, you take it from me. And the tzaddik, he pays back with his high level of brachot and mitzvot and everything, which like when a tzaddik does something, it's like equivalent to a thousand other people, regular Jews doing it. He's a tzaddik, that's, that's why he's a tzaddik. He sticks out. It's on a higher caliber, a higher quality. So his mitzvot have a lot of weight and appreciation on, on the part of Hashem. So the tzaddik pays back Hashem the debt owed by mankind and then he turns to mankind to pay it back. And the tzaddik's not, worse, not worried because Hashem, the Rav Nosen says, like, very powerful, that Hashem, so to speak, gives, gave up on the creation. He gave over the creation to, to the tzaddikim to help to determine that mankind will pay back. To the extent that the tzaddikim have the power to throw a person back in reincarnation until he pays back. <laughs> the tzaddik is able to dictate what happens to the souls and the process until everything is paid back properly back to Hashem, and the tzaddik's in charge of it. In an amazing way, he says this, Rav Nosen, to show you how far-reaching is a tzaddik, how it's needed. And as you know already, or you don't know yet, when Rav Nosen talks, he always brings proofs from the Zohar, from the writings of the Ari, the Kabbalah, from the Midrash, the Gemara, the Torah, the Tanakh. He's always bringing proof text to show these ideas. He's not like inventing an idea. Rather, he's popping out what's there, but just dormant. No one is paying attention to this, and he's able to, to bring it out. But all this, again, shows that a person really, really 
wants to do a tshuva, really wants to come back to Hashem, he should follow tzaddikim, the true tzaddikim, follow their advice. Because again, you have the Torah, fine, you have the Torah and the mitzvot, but then the tzaddikim, they give perspectives, parameters on the mitzvot, which you may be already doing, but enhancing with their advice to make sure you do it in this format with the advice that they prescribe in doing mitzvot. So that this format of their advice on the mitzvot pushes your mitzvah. It's like they, they tell you the secret buttons, the secret key codes, that if you want to go really forward, it's over here. You have to press over here and over there. Like they set forth in front of you many items. The Torah has many mitzvot, yes. But for what you need right now, you should know if you do this combination over here of four, six, eight, seven, you'll unlock the door for you and get into this specific, this specific room that you need to get into. So the tzaddikim are able to join mitzvot, revealing an advice, combining them, okay? And in this sense, to get a person forward in life, visit Hashem. So may, we'll finish the class with this idea. May we merit really on this Nisan, which this month of Nisan, the month of Nisan... Is called Rosh Hashanah Limlachim. It's the new year for the kings, right? That's, that's what it says in the Gemara and the Mishnah. That there's a few, um, what's it called? A few um, pit stops. That's not a good word. There's a better word, really. Pit stops in the year where the sages point out this is a new year. For example, Tubishvat is a new year for the trees. Rosh Chodesh Elul is the new year for another item. Rosh Chodesh Nisan, right? Tishrei, Rosh Hashanah is the new year. For the the the, Rosh, the beginning of the year for the year itself, okay, and Rosh Chodesh Nisan is called the new year for the kings, where in heaven they decide which kings are running the world, and it changes. Like in other words, who's now in charge? So the sages also say in the Gemara, Man Malche Rabbanan, who are the sages? Who sorry? Who are the king? Our kings today, the Jewish kings, the Chachamim, the sages, the Tzadikim, okay, meaning. In heaven, there's a way of dictating which tzaddikim now run the world. Like, for example, we just have a big giant, Rav Chaim Kanievsky, just passed away. Okay, he had a lot of weight on him and many people's lives and decisions that people made and, and conduct and everything was based a lot on what he said. And now it's shifted. He's passed on. And now other rabbanim and tzaddikim and chachamim, they, their teachings now are up front and they play a role. And it also applies to tzaddikim who passed on where in heaven they decide this year we want to be a much more influence in the world on this specific sefer written by tzaddik from 100 200 years ago or this book and people should get into it and make a big deal of the statements written in this farm and then make like movements of waves of things happening of, on people's lives because of these statements and everything these changes start in the month of Nisan, okay? So when we say that Rosh Chodesh Nisan is the new year of the kings, it's the new year of the tzaddikim, having new rule, but also my commitment and my connection to these kings, to this new year. Depending how commensurate, how close I am to them, that's how much I receive. Like a, a physical king has his prime minister and is the minister of the interior, the ministry of the, of the, of the, of the treasury and everything, okay? They obviously have more Impact, they have more influence from the tzaddik, from the, from the king, because they're so close to him. So too, you as a Jew have a choice in how close you come to the tzaddikim. Rabbi Nachman points out that in the month of Nisan, it's perpetuous to push forward or push backward your place in line with the tzaddikim, 
where the nafkamina mean that will be the the outcome will be how much you gain this year from your closeness to the tzaddikim. Okay, it changes every year. There's a change, and Rosh Chodesh Nisan is where the change becomes most noticeable. So this is a very special month for coming close to tzaddikim. We should have the merit really to come so close to feel the light. He says Rabbi Nachman in lesson 135. It's called Ki Ekach Moed. That's the name of the lesson. That on Yom Tov shines the light of the tzaddikim, shines the light of Moshe Rabbeinu. And every Jew, according to how much he's happy on Yom Tov, that's how much he can tap in to the light of the tzaddikim. Just one final thing. Today is my son-in-law's birthday. He just walked in. Bukandaka. We just say to him, happy birthday, everybody. Bo, 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 bo. Just say shalom. Tagidam shalom. Sure. Happy birthday. Yeah. Okay. Sure. <laughs> All right, everybody. Have a good one. Be well. Be besimcha. And don't give up. All right? All the best, everybody. Thank you for joining. Recording.